grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text chosen for our meditation this morning is from our gospel lesson from Matthew 20, 1 to 16, and follows. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed, in the principle of fairness, it is one of the standards which people use their dealings with other people. We want to be treated fairly, and so we do our best to treat others in a fair and even-handed way. We also expect it to be paid for our work. We criticize that lazy good-for-nothing so-and-so who lies around the TV set and lives off the government. Or we criticize the workers in our business who do not put in a hard day's work to earn their pay. And we don't look very kindly upon that boss's nephew who who's promoted ahead of us because he knows someone of, of influence in the company. Since we use this standard of fairness in everyday life, it's no wonder that we apply that principle of fairness when it comes to our expectations of the way God deals with his people. God helps those who help themselves, we like to quote in a, in a religious excuse for our initiative and drive to succeed. It's easy to regard success and money as a reward which God gives to those who work hard. And when it comes to applying this principle of fairness to God, we expect him, we expect him to prosper the good and bring disaster on the evil. The only problem with this principle of fairness is it doesn't apply to all ways of God. You will forgive me for reminding you that, that Almighty God, the Lord of all, is not an American. He does not behave as we expect him to behave. He doesn't treat people according to our standards of fairness. And those by human standards deserve nothing from God, like tax collectors, the thieves, the harlots, who get it all as they are invited by Jesus to repent and believe. And those who should have cushions on their thrones, thrones by their own standards, the righteous, the law-abiding Pharisees, are rejected from the kingdom because they turn their backs on the Messiah and his message. The rain falls equally on the field of the Christian and the unbeliever. No one has ever proved that, a faithful, that the faithful live longer or happier or have healthier lives than the faithless. And so Jesus this morning tells us a story, a parable, and Matthew brings to our attention a parable once told about grumbling at God's generosity. And the point of this parable is that God equally gives his goodness to all people. God's kingdom is open to all who receive his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. God's loving kindness is given in equal measure to all, regardless of how low or how well a Christian has worked for God. The education, the illiterate, the rich and poor, the wise and the foolish, 
each loved equally by God and invited to inherit eternal life. Our idea of a fairness is based on the work ethic, which, which says that you get what you deserve. And God, on the principle of grace, which says you get what you don't deserve. You have a gift for which you have not worked. It has not been earned or, or merited in, in any way by you or me. The gift of eternity with Jesus, with God, and the peace which comes from knowing you are forgiven child of God through Jesus Christ. The parable which Jesus told his workers in this, uh, uh, in this vineyard really struck home for the people who heard this story. It's a kind of thing that was common to those people who lived in Palestine. The grape harvest came quickly in September. The grapes had to be harvested before the rains came, and it was a race against time. Either harvest them or lose them. And anyone who worked, who could work, did, even if it was only one hour or two. And so the owner of this vineyard went out and hired, hired people throughout the day. Some early, some at 9 a.m., some at noon, some at 3, some at 5. And we can re relate to this scene of men standing around the town square waiting for work. We could almost say that the town square was the employment office. Whether or not they got to work, determine if they and their families would eat that day. But as often as is the case, this parable is misnamed. It's not so much as the story of the workers in the vineyard. It's really a story of the generous employer. For when the payroll is given out, each finds, regardless of his hours, had the same amount of pay. And those who worked for just one hour before the whistle blew, and, and worked in relatively the coolness of the late afternoon, received as much as those people who broke their back licking those high crates under the, bra under the, uh, under the, the blaze of the noonday sun. Unfair? Perhaps from the point of view of those people who worked 12 hours. But look again. You will see that the owner did nothing wrong. He paid for the full-time help what they had agreed upon as a fair wage, and the others just left it up to the owner what they should be paid. Was the money not for the use of the owner? And the reason for protest was not that the owner was unfair, but that he was generous. The owner puts his finger on that problem when he asks, are you envious because I am generous? If you look at the Greek, it's even more clear. Do you look with an evil eye at my goodness? The problem was not fair wages, but envy and greed. A legend tells of two brothers who lived together in perfect harmony for many years without a quarrel or a fight with, between them. And one day, a magic genie appeared to them and said, you two brothers are about to reap your reward. And he told them that they could ask for, for absolutely anything, and it would be theirs. And just before he disappeared, he added two conditions. 
The genie said, and the wonderful thing is that although only one brother can make the wish, the other brother will receive twice as much of whatever he asked for. The offer was good only till sundown that day. How wonderful, the brothers agreed. What should we wish for? The sky was the limit. Would they wish for a million dollars or a whole kingdom with thousands of serpents? And then the realization, the realization struck the wishing brother. The other brother would get twice as much as he would. So greed and envy began to fill his heart. And the sun now was low in the sky, and still no wish had been spoken. And finally, that elder brother seized that younger brother by the throat and screamed in his face as, wish, wish, or I'll choke you to death. Gasping for air, he blurted out, I wish, I wish, I wish to be blind in one eye. We sit back in our seats. Oh, how awful to be that envious and that jealous. And yet jealousy and envious are no stranger to us, are they? Why does a mother, for example, wishes she had four sets of china instead of one? Because she knows the trouble that it would cause the children when she dies. Someone receives a generous gift totally unmerited, and the Bible tells us that we are to rejoice with those people who rejoice. But our sinful nature tempts us to belittle their good, for, their good fortune. A neighbor wins an all-expensive trip to Hawaii while we struggle to, to rent a broken-down cabin in the woods for a long weekend. Now we see that Jesus asked in the parable, Are you envious because I am generous? By our human nature, we are jealous and envious just like Cain who killed Abel because God approved Abel's sacrifice and not his. Only as we live with the God of grace are we able to rejoice when blessings come to us and to others. And aware of my own unworthiness, to receive any of the gifts that God has given to me, my heart is flooded with with joy and gratitude for these undeserved blessings. And whether it be with my family or friends, or congregation or home, or health or work, or rest or play, I realize that I always am on the receiving end of God's love. And aware of that, that all the life is freely given to me by my Heavenly Father, I am frankly too busy counting my blessings and being thankful for them to look over the fence at what my neighbor has received from the hand of God. I'm a steward of God's gifts, of all of them, and I know that one day I'm going to have to give an account to the master as how I use my gifts. And with that in mind, I'm convinced that I simply do not have the time to envy my neighbor or who may have more than I. I'm busy investing my time, my talents, and my money in the kingdom work. And no, more, and no matter how little or much that I have in the standards of the world, as a Christian, I am blessed and honored beyond anything I could dream or deserve. 
For me, Jesus became a human being so that, I could t- so that he could take my place and suffer and die on the cross for me. And through his generosity, I am saved from my sins, and now I am on that high road to eternal life through faith in him. My Savior rose again from the dead to give eternal life to me and all believers. I do not deserve that. I do not merit that. I did not buy that. I did not steal that. Eternal life is mine as a gift, a gift to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And whether or not I I believed all of my lifetime, Eternal life is not mine as a reward for what I have done. As children of God, we are thankful for that person who came to faith in the evening part of his life and received the same blessings as those who have believed all of their lives. We realize that out of God's gracious love, we are his. May we not grumble at God's generosity but rather let's thank him for what he has done for us, though we have not deserved it. Amen.